Good morning, everybody. Like what a week we've had, right? Like my emotions have been all over the map. I'm guessing some of you have also experienced emotions all over the map. And here we are, like even writing the sermon, I wasn't sure if the election would be called or where we were at. But thankfully, I think we're at a place where we can kind of take a breath collectively here this morning. And so in that vein, this is going to be a shorter and lighter sermon than we usually do. I say it's, it's Bible light. So for those of you who are used to our usual sermons, just know this is a little bit of an outlier. But as I was thinking about just pastoring and tending our particular community that we have here in this post-election, I think right now what I've mostly been concerned about is just like our mental and physical and emotional well-being. And so in that vein, I just wanted to offer you guys some information that I found helpful. So in the last couple of weeks, I've had two different people that I know recommend that I listen to one of Brene Brown's podcasts on burnout. So the first person is Laura Garvey, who's part of our church, and then um, Reverend A.D. Wasink, whom some of you know, she's at like our sister church in Iowa City. She was like, Emily, you've got to listen to this one podcast on burnout. So for those of you who love podcasts and want to go back and listen to it, I think it originally aired on October 14th. Um, oh, good. Laura Schramm also bought the book. So I'm going to like what I'm going to do is actually give you a little bit of a summary of it. So I listened. I found some helpful information that I thought we could integrate into our spirituality um, coming off the election. But also we're still fully immersed in, you know, COVID and other stressors in our life. So in this podcast, Brene Brown, she interviewed these two authors named Emily and Amelia Nagoski. I'm going to put their names in the thing. And I was a little tickled. They're, they're identical twins. And Amelia was always my name in French. So I'm like, it's kind of like Emily and Emily. And I'm Emily delivering this. So in the company of the Emilies, these two studied the stress response cycle and how our bodies process emotions. And I think all of us here, we recognize, like we know the various stressors in our lives. We can name them and we probably all have ways that we manage those stressors. But what was helpful to me in that podcast was the way they talked about the body's um, like stress response system as a cycle that we very often don't complete. So let me say that a little more clearly if I can. Like our emotional response to stress has a beginning, a middle and an end. So our, it's like a neurological, biological response to stress, and it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so when we're experiencing things like burnout or like a, a major come down after a stressful event has passed, it's most often, they say, because we've gotten stuck in the middle position of this cycle. So I'm going to give you guys a quote of what they wrote because this was super duper helpful to me. They said, in short, emotions are like tunnels. If you go all the way through them, you get to the light at the end. Exhaustion happens when we get stuck in an emotion. So what does this mean? I thought, well, let me give a little example. This last weekend, um, Rachel and I were in Indiana with my family. My 97-year-old grandma was still living on her own and even driving up until about three weeks ago. She's amazing. And then she finally decided to move in with my mom. And so my mom pretty quickly just sold my grandma's house. It went really quickly. She had built that house in 1952 and had lived there since. 
And so my mom had asked if we could come down and just help her pack up the house, clear it out. And then it was also my one chance, which was actually last Sunday. It's why I missed last Sunday to go through the house and just see if there was anything I wanted. And it was my opportunity to say goodbye to the home that, you know, had been my grandma's home my whole life. She lived 10 minutes from me growing up. And so in a situation like that, there's a lot of room for stress and emotions. And so I was talking with my grandma and I was just saying, grandma, it just, it must be so hard to lose your independence after so long. And just like, it's gotta be just so sad to let go of your home. And she got a little bit teary and she said, well, yes, it is, but we get through these things, don't we? You, you just have to move ahead and not think about it. <laughs> and I had one of those like aha moments and it was like, okay, so this is where one of our family values of like, just get through it, like plow ahead. That's where that comes from. <laughs> And that can be a resilience tactic, right? Sometimes we do just have to like, just get through hard things. But it's like, once we get through the hard things, the work isn't done, right? That we have to recognize that there were emotions that were deeply associated with those hard things. And because emotions live in our bodies, um, if they're not recognized and dealt with, they can sit there and exhaust us. And a lot of people say trauma lives in the body, emotions, right? So my grandma can say, we just get through it now and that can help her get through it. But at some point it would probably be helpful for her to like process that a little bit more if she's able at 97, I don't, you know, grandma, you do you, but so for all of us, like with this big collective stress, like the election that we just lived through, I think it's possible to come to the end of that. Um, and either you can get sick or you can even feel more exhausted or burnt out than prior to it being over. Right, because you're kind of in this mode of like, just get through it. So relieving the stressor, right? Just resolving the issue doesn't complete the stress cycle, right? So if you were rooting for Biden and Biden won, your body might still feel like it was hit by a Mack truck this week, right? So it's, it's important to process these emotions. You know, some people are really good at processing as they go, and maybe that's you. For me, I think that's more of like a, a hashtag life goal. <laughs> it sometimes takes me a little while. So the author said there were seven ways that we can help our bodies process stress or shame or trauma. And the first and most efficient way, they said, is just moving our bodies. Right. So any exercise, punch a punching bag, get up and move around. And I think that's something most of us know intuitively. Like we, we feel better when we exercise. Um, but I did, I run this past my wife, Rachel, a few days ago. Um, you know, she's a therapist and she just cautioned me not to be too dogmatic about it. So I will pass that along. And she was really funny. She's like, okay, Emily, just because you're feeling a feeling doesn't mean you need to take a 40 minute walk, right? There are shorter and simpler ways to go about this as well, as well right? So you have to acknowledge the feeling, name it, and then find a way to let your body know that it's safe. And so um, these authors also give some simpler ways that I'll share, but body movement is still it's the most efficient way to work your emotions through the body. And they were talking about how our stress response cycle comes from our evolutionary adaptation, right? For fight, flight, or freeze. So when we're in danger or we have an anxious situation, our nervous system is primed to protect us by causing us fight, flight, or freeze. 
And so they were saying completing this stress cycle is about helping our bodies know they're no longer in danger, right? My body doesn't know the election is over unless I let it know somehow that the election is over, the danger has passed or that stressful event has passed. So one of the simpler things that these authors suggested was they said, just tense up your entire body, like all of the muscles that you can just squeeze them almost until they start shaking a little bit and then breathe out slowly and release that tension. And that's one thing that can help signal our brains that we can now relax. Or they said that you can take some really deep breaths and when you breathe out, breathe it out far more slowly even than you, you took it in. And then breathe out until you feel those abdominal muscles starting to push in. So it's going all the way through. And so that's another thing that can indicate to our body that we're okay now. That's part of why like meditation works so well. That's why we put out these daily meditations. Those are helping to signal to our body daily, like you're okay. There's some safety. So body movement and breathing are the first two skills. Um, the next is positive social interaction after a stressful event. So I don't know about you guys, but after the election yesterday, after it was over, like my Facebook and my Twitter feeds were um, full and even my email full of people saying things like, yes, we won, but don't forget the real work is just beginning. We can't afford to stop now and here's what you can do. And that's all true, right? We have imperfect candidates. There's a lot of things um, left to do, right? That work of building a more just world is always ongoing, but stopping to rest and celebrate together helps our bodies release negative emotions, right? We're allowed to take some time to just celebrate and breathe without feeling the weight of all the future burdens, right? Those will come. Both of those things are true. Like I saw one of my friends on Facebook had put something about that, like, we can't stop now. All the hard work is still ahead of us. And somebody else said, God, can't we just have a day? <laughs> and I was like, I feel that. Yeah, you can. It's actually helpful to you so that you don't burn out to be able to stop and celebrate a little bit. And it reminded me a little bit of a story in the Hebrew Bible where there had been a really long war. And once that was over, a man named David, he just started dancing in the streets. He got down into his skivvies and he's just dancing and people were making really good food and they drank a lot of wine. And there was this communal sense of just letting loose. And one of David's wives criticized him for like just this unabashed joy and his like partying with people from all social classes. But I thought as I reread it this week, I thought that's that instinct is the instinct of somebody who grew up in like the lower strata of society, right? He was a shepherd. Shepherds were often considered unclean. And I know we say it a lot at Blue Ocean, but like oppressed people or people in the lower social stratas often know how to party well, right? Like pride parades, think of the juke joints in the Jim Crow era, and even like the celebratory nature of like the black churches, even our church. I thought if we were meeting today, we were saying it right before the service, like I'd probably be dancing in the front row. It would be such a joyous um, occasion because if you're a minority or an ally of a minority, as all of us here are, there's like an almost instinctual gravitation toward having a good time together because it's survival, right? Our bodies need it. So feel free to stop and celebrate having gotten something stressful through, right? And you can do that without burdening yourself with all the other work that needs to be done. Like don't feel guilty. 
And then related to that, laughter tells your body you're okay. And they said most laughter is like social laughter, right? It means like you're just kind of laughing with others and that signals friendship and warm feelings. But they said the kind of laughter that starts to like move you through that stress cycle is the kind that like makes you pee your pants a little bit. <laughs> the kind that where you just can't stop laughing. And often we find those moments, right? With friends or with family or during a social gathering. The fifth tool is affection. Right. A 20 second hug releases the same euphoric chemicals in our brains as a two mile run. I'll take the hug over a two mile run. I know Ken has long been a fan of the 20 second hug, right, Ken? Because it releases dopamine. Am I saying that right? Yeah, it's a dopamine releaser. And 20 seconds isn't like the magic number, but it's around there. It's when your body starts to relax into another person's body and it starts to know it's safe. You know it when it starts to happen. You know, hug your kids, hug your significant others, hug your friends well, right? That'll help you like release some of these emotional tensions. The sixth tool is a good cry. So if you know the Enneagram, I'm a classic Enneagram seven and our weakness is we tend to avoid pain when possible. I hate crying. It makes my eyes hurt. I avoid it whenever it's possible. I envy my friends. I had two friends yesterday who they said when they learned about the election, they were in Costco and they just both burst into tears in front of the pot pie. And I kind of, I kind of envy that or Ken's daughter, like, oh, I feel a good cry coming, but it hasn't quite come yet. Um, I did let myself have a good cry last weekend when I was packing up my grandma's house. And I have to say that felt really good because that helps us grieve. It keeps us from like storing up those emotions in our body. So have a good cry. Um, I do have a funny story for you. It's, it's only somewhat related. So like, <laughs> I hear Rachel already laughing from the living room. I have her permission to tell this one. So don't judge me here. But Rachel and I are like 10 years behind on the whole Game of Thrones phenomenon. Um, I originally, I watched it a little when it first aired, but I, I stopped because it was just a little too violent for me. But I was like, okay, I'll give it another go. It's a pandemic. I'm going to do this. Rachel and I've been watching it. But way back when it was on, I remembered hearing something about um, an episode that was called The Red Wedding, which I'm sure if you watched it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you didn't, I remember hearing it was supposed to be like just gory beyond belief, which is not something I do well. And then that like a ton of likable main characters get killed. So me being me, I like spoilers. I've got too much anxiety not to know what's going to happen. So I Google it. I'm like, I need to know who's going to die and what's going to happen. And then I was like, okay, I can skip this one. I don't need to watch this. And Rachel was like, okay, I'll watch it without you. I'll fill you in. So I get up one Saturday morning. I think it was two Saturdays ago. And Rachel's in the basement and she's watching something and I can tell it's like a lot of war kind of stuff. And so she yells up that she's in the middle of the red wedding and she just wants to get it over with. So I put on my headphones, I had my coffee and I'm, you know, I'm just like reading the news. And about 30 minutes later, Rachel comes upstairs, just sobbing, <laughs> shoulders shaking, just heaving and crying and crying. And she like very rarely cries too. And uh, she just said, hold me, everybody good dies. <laughs> and it's sad. 
but it's also good. She didn't like bottle that up, right? She let herself feel the feelings. She had a good cry. She let me give her a good long hug and we were able to move on. <laughs> yeah, the red wedding is rough. So they said, yeah, I was like, I don't ever need to see that. So uh, <laughs> the last thing we can do to midwife our bodies through the stress cycle is creative expression, right? Dance, art, writing. I was thinking about like Anya Morton when I thought about dance, dance it out take those emotions, express them creatively. But really, we're going to need to integrate a lot of these, right? With the election over, we've had many, many months of stress. So I would just encourage you to spend some time this week just recognizing the effects of your emotions on your body. Name those emotions. If feelings come, name them. If you feel like crying, feel free to cry. And just practice integrating some of these different tactics to help your body process it so that you don't burn out or come to like kind of a crash in this next month. And you can even incorporate some of these into your day as well if you're having like just a stressful meeting at work. Like I got some news that my sister had to quarantine for COVID and I realized it was stressing me out. So I just tensed up all my muscles and did that breathing thing. And I was like, okay, that actually felt good. And I thought, I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's um, like, Tuning out or numbing out when you're exhausted is fine, right? Like I'm, I'm a fan of video games or watching TV sometimes. That's fine. But just doing that won't help you move through this emotional cycle, right? So if you're dealing with the exhaustion by just video gaming um, nonstop, like that won't actually help you move this through. So maybe incorporate some exercise or some other things into your like self-care routine. And if we need to tie this, care for our bodies in the theology, then I would just say, know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We care for and we tend our bodies with love and affection. We listen to the wisdom of our emotions, right? So I'm not going to pretend like all of these strategies are in the Bible and come up with some Bible story to tie it to. I'm not a fan of doing that, but loving ourselves and loving our bodies and paying attention to our God-giving bodies is good. So give yourself some grace this week as you're moving through it, give yourself time to laugh and hang loose. Okay, I'm going to do a little meditation um, with us. So I know some of you guys, like if you've got kids around, this isn't easy to do. So maybe you could try it a little bit later. But as a start, I just invite you to close your eyes if you can. Picture someplace safe. And let's start by just taking two or three really good deep breaths fill our bodies and try and release some of the tensions. So just pay attention to this safe space around you. Like, what are the smells and the sounds? Where are you? Is it someplace that you know? And then as you're just thinking through that, at some point, just picture Jesus or God as you understand God near you and just sit in that space for a moment.
maybe just start by naming a couple few emotions that you've had over the last week or two, especially. And let's just name those before God. And as you name them, picture them almost like in a little ball in front of you, like coming out of your body and into this sort of exterior space, naming them before Jesus. And as you're sitting there with Jesus, with your ball of emotions, now just picture that you're being joined by the other members of this church, like the people who are on the Zoom call right now are also in this space with you, with their emotions in the company of Jesus. Just experience the like, I'm not alone in this, that we hold these together. As I pray, just take another really long, slow, deep breath in and release that. But Jesus, we, we hold all of these things before you. And we know that there's a lot being held in our bodies that still need to be processed. And we invite your light and your love um, to help us to look at these and to process these. We hold them before you and ask that you would just help bring healing and joy and peace and rest this week. And that you would help us continue to process. We're still in the middle of some really stressful events in our collective history. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would just continue to be with us and to help us hold these um, and process them and experience this in a way that says we're not alone and we are loved and we are allowed to just sort of breathe and be free and celebrate small victories as well as large and to hold those intentions with all of the imperfections. We ask for your help. We ask for your peace and joy in your name. Amen.